The Gospel writer John records Jesus saying these words to his followers. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Guys, when we look at these words, they contain a remarkable promise. They tell us that whatever we ask, anything at all, if we ask it in the name of Jesus, he'll do it for us. It would be hard to find a promise that's broader than that. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. But I think our problem is not with the promise, but with the condition. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? I'll tell you right up front that it means much more than we assume. In many Christian traditions, praying in Jesus' name refers to a certain formula that we add to the end of our prayers. In fact, we're so used to hearing in Jesus' name, amen, that we may feel uncomfortable if we don't hear it when someone prays. We mumble to ourselves and wonder if that person is somehow ashamed of Jesus' name. And we also suspect that, it, that the prayer is a bit illegal because it doesn't end the way we think it should. One part of that insight is absolutely correct. True Christian praying is always in Jesus' name. If we deliberately quit using the name of Jesus, then our prayers can hardly be called Christian at all. So there's a sense in which every prayer we pray should always be offered in the name of Jesus. But that still doesn't tell us what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And perhaps the best way for us to attack that question is to consider first what it doesn't mean. And I've already hinted at the basic answer. Praying in Jesus' name means more than simply adding it to the end of our prayers. Now here's a bit of Bible trivia for you this morning. It might surprise you. If you go back and you read all of the prayers in the New Testament, read every single one of them, there's not one single one that ends with the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen. Yet surely those prayers in Scripture were being offered according to the promise that we've read this morning in our text. And that tells us that this promise deals with much more than saying a few words and then saying amen. For many of us in Jesus' name, amen, means that the prayer is almost over. It means it's almost time to eat dinner. Or we think, it, think of it as some kind of spiritual open sesame or abracadabra. Or if by saying those key words at the end would be the Christian equivalent of rubbing Aladdin's lamp and having the genie go poof. But it's easy to see how this fallacy, it's easy to see this fallacy of that thinking. Suppose I pray publicly along these lines. Heavenly Father, I ask you to give me $10 million in small, unmarked bills, in three medium-sized suitcases, and I'd like that money to be at my front door tomorrow morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I could pray that way, and I might even be sincere in that prayer, but we all understand that to pray like that, to pray like that is to misuse prayer 
and also misuse the name of Jesus. Now, it might help us this morning to spend a few moments on this, thinking about the meaning of names in the Bible. Because in, in our day, names don't always have an intrinsic meaning. You might be Joe or Mary or Mike or Betty or Bill, but those names don't necessarily convey any particular message about who you are. But it was different in Bible times. First, names in the Bible often represent the character, personality, origin, or destiny of different people. Jacob, mean, Jacob means cheater. Peter means rock. What about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord means master. Jesus means savior. Christ means the anointed one sent from God. So when we call out to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are declaring that he is our master, our savior, and the one anointed one sent from God. Second, names also represent authority. Perhaps you recall the old TV shows that had crime, uh, the crime shows that were police officers would go to the door and they'd knock and they'd say, open up in the name of the law. Why would they do that? They would do that because the officers had no authority, had no authority in and of them among themselves to compel anyone to open a door. But when they knocked in the name of the law, they were claiming the full authority of the government of the United States standing behind them and backing them up. We see this principle at work in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story of a great confrontation between a young shepherd boy named David and a huge warrior named Goliath. Just before the battle begins, David boldly tells Goliath where his power comes from. Samuel 7, 1 Samuel 17, 45 says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. David was saying this to Goliath, I'm not impressed by your weapons. I'm not impressed by your great size. The Lord is on my side, and my God is about to lay you out. It wasn't where it was. It's exactly the way it happened. David claimed God's authority on his side and armed with God plus a slingshot and one smooth stone killed, the mighty, killed that mighty giant. See, names represent authority. Third, names can represent a person's reputation. Now, we see this clearly in reference to the name of the Lord. The very first petition of the Lord's prayer is, Hallowed be your name. To hollow something is to treat it as being of great worth. We hollow God's name when we treat it with the respect that it deserves. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray based on who God is, with all his authority, in, in, in order that his reputation might be enhanced in the world. Look at it like this. Suppose I go to the bank, and because I like 10 million, I'll ask for it again. I'm going to go to the local bank, and I'm going to ask for 10 million from my account. And I tell them that I'd like to take it in small bills, and after that teller is done laughing at me, he'll quickly show me to the door because I don't have $10 million in my account. I don't have $10 in my account. Suppose, though, 
that I go back to the bank with a check that's made out to me in $10 million, and it's signed by Bill Gates. You know who Bill Gates is? One of the richest people in the world? Yeah. So once the bank determines that that signature is real, once they figure out that Bill Gates, that multi-billionaire, has written me that check, I mean, listen, this guy probably loses or gains $10 million several times a day. That's pocket change. But if I go to the bank in, in, in my own name, they'll laugh at me. But if I go in with a check in the name of Bill Gates, they're likely going to honor that check and give me the money. See, praying in Jesus' name is kind of like signing his name to our prayers. It's a sense we are saying to God, Jesus told me to pray like this. And what do you think God will do with a prayer that is truly signed by his son? I believe he's going to grant it because he always honors what the son wants. Now let's turn that truth around for a moment. What do we call the act of fraudulently signing a person's name? We call that forgery. I think many of our prayers are spiritual forgeries because we are signing Jesus' name to prayers that he has not approved. So what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Let me offer six answers to that question. The first one is when we pray in Jesus' name, we are confessing our faith that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Listen to Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. The writer of Hebrews is telling us that we have a confidence. The Greek word here means boldness, means freedom. To come into the very presence of God by the virtue of the blood of Jesus. By offering his own body, Christ has made a way past the veil, past that curtain, into the throne room, the most holy place where God dwells. In the Old Testament, a thick curtain, four feet thick, thick curtain, super tall, that curtain separated the holy place from the most holy place in the temple. The only person that could enter that curtain was the high priest, and he could only do it one time a day on the Day of Atonement. That thick curtain constantly reminded the people that they could not approach God directly, but only through a priestly mediator. But now, in Jesus' death, Christ has torn down that curtain and entered God's presence. And because we are united with him, wherever he goes, we go with him. So we are in the throne room, friends. It is precisely in this sense that every Christian prayer is offered in Jesus' name. For it is only by virtue of what Jesus had accomplished that any of us may come into the presence of God. To approach God apart from Christ is to guarantee that we will, that we will be turned away. We may pray in the name of Krishna, Buddha, Confucius, or we may claim that our faith in, is in Muhammad. Somehow that ensures that God will hear us, but we may come to God in the name of any other religious leader we choose to follow, but I understand, and you should understand, that it will do us no good. 
The only one who can bring us into God's presence is the Lord Jesus Christ. First, First Timothy 2.5 says there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. If we do not come to God through him, we can't come at all. With that truth in mind, it might be better to start our prayers by referring to Jesus' name. The precise formula isn't crucial, but we could say something like this. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and my Savior. I claim no merit of my own, and I acknowledge that I cannot stand in your presence apart from the merits of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for me. I claim nothing but the love and grace of Jesus as the basis for my prayer to you. By starting a prayer that way, we're establishing up front the fact that it is only by the virtue of Jesus Christ that we are all able to pray at all. Second, when we pray in, in Jesus' name, we are acknowledging that his name is supreme, the most supreme name in the universe. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 is very clear on this point. It says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How important is the name of Jesus? By virtue of his victorious resurrection and ascension into heaven, God has exalted him to the very highest place in the universe. He has the greatest name there is, friends. No one can compare to him. He's number one and there is no number two. It's not as if Jesus is at the top of the heap and everyone else is at the bottom. Nope, he stands alone. He is in a category all by himself. His name is the greatest name of all. Third, when we pray in Jesus' name, we are admitting that there is no power to answer our prayers in any other name, including our own. After all, if we could all answer our own prayers, why would we bother praying at all? The whole point of prayer is to admit our total dependence on God. And we can come to God in Jesus' name because Acts 4.12 tells us that there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Here's a useful experiment that will bring this point home. Sometime this week during your private prayer time, offer all your requests to God in your name. That is, pour out your heart. Pour out all you have for yourself, for your loved ones, for your church, for your friends, and for the hurting people of the world. Then end it like this. Father, today I offer this prayer in my name. I do this because my name is a great name, and I have the power and authority to do the things I ask. Amen. Try praying like that just once and see what happens. I just did it. It's awkward. Guys, if you're a Christ follower, that thumping sound that you hear will be the, your prayers bouncing off the ceiling back onto your head. True believers pray in Jesus' name because there is no power in any other name to answer our prayers. 
Dr. Tony Evans, who's a noted pastor, author, and radio speaker, was asked one day to give the opening prayer for the Texas State Legislature in Austin, Texas. He was walking down to give this prayer, and he was asked by someone not to mention the name of Jesus in his prayer because it might offend the non-Christians who were in attendance. Dr. Evans thought for a minute, replied that when he prayed to God, he was accustomed to praying to Jesus and in Jesus' name because Jesus Christ is indeed God in human flesh. And he also pointed out to the young man that he was about to ask God that day to do some specific things in the legislature and in the state of Texas. And he asked him, who's going to answer that prayer if I don't pray it in Jesus' name? He said, he's the only one with the power to do what I ask. And when we read that, we understand that Tony Evans is exactly right. If we don't pray in, in Jesus' name, then why bother praying at all? For those of you that don't know, the United Center in Chicago is, is a huge arena where the Chicago Bulls play. Blackhawks play there, too. You may have seen the sculpture of Michael Jordan that is situated near the north entrance of the United Center. It's an amazing, awe-spiring, uh, bronze rec uh, recreation of, of Michael dunking over several defenders. As you study it, as you, as you, walk, as you look at it, you, you just think he looks like a Greek god suspended in midair with ball in front, tongue wagging. But around the base of that statue, Jordan's many basketball achievements are engraved in stone on the bottom. And as you walk up to the statue, the caption at the bottom simply reads, The greatest there ever was, the greatest there will ever be. Now the overall feeling is like standing before that of a religious shrine. But as magnificent as Michael Jordan was, he's already retired from basketball. And who's to say that someone, sooner or later, is going to come along and shatter every record he has set? Guys, human hero heroes come and go, but one name, one name lives on forever. 2,000 years ago, it was introduced. 10,000 years from now, it'll still be being mentioned. It's the greatest name in the universe. Jesus Christ. Fourth, when we pray in Jesus' name, we are submitting our will to his will because he knows what's best. Just a few hours after he gave the promise recorded in John 14, Jesus was agonizing in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he prayed three times that the cup of suffering might be removed from him. Three times God answered no. Each time Jesus submitted his prayer by saying, Not my will, but yours be done. Hear this. If Jesus had to pray this way, how much more do we? Sometimes our prayers are are like little children rushing to see their father. Daddy, gimme, 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 gimme. And we wonder why our prayers seem to have little to no effect. <clears throat> to pray in Jesus' name means that we submit our will to the will of Christ as Christ submitted his will to his father. And after pouring out our hearts to God, we should say, Lord Jesus, I want what you want. When we pray that way, we ask whatever we want, 
And because we are submissive to God's will, we may be sure that our prayers will be answered every time. On the other hand, if we are saying, Lord Jesus, this is what I want and I don't care what you want, we don't even bother praying that because with that attitude, our prayers are never going to go anywhere. Five, when we pray in Jesus' name, we're asking that God's reputation be enhanced through the answer to our prayer. John 14, 13 says this very clearly. It says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. The purpose of all our prayers should be to bring glory to God. After all, this is why Jesus came to earth. Because that same night, Jesus, knowing his death was less than 24 hours away, prayed this way, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. Jesus came to glorify God in his obedient life, in his sacrificial death, and in his victorious resurrection. To glorify God means many things, not the least of which is to enhance God's reputation in our world. When our requests, uh, when our requests glorify God, we may be sure that they will be answered. To say this is to say that we should seek first the kingdom of God, knowing that when we do so, everything else, everything else we need will be given to us. When God comes first in our prayers, when we truly want to glorify him, we can rest easy knowing that the details of life that often consume us will be taken care of by our Heavenly Father. Six, when we pray in Jesus' name, we are asking that everything we ask for be consistent with God's character, God's will, and God's word. That statement summarizes everything I've basically said this morning, but Romans 10.13 tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means millions upon millions of people are going to be in heaven because they called upon the name of Jesus to ask for forgiveness and they discovered that God was good as his word is good. But this is more than a salvation verse, friends. It's also an, inv it's, it's an invocation and an invitation to a Christ-centered prayer. Calling on the name of the Lord means asking for that which is consistent with all that Jesus is, all that he says, and all that he wants to accomplish in this world. We can say it this way. Uh, we could say we wouldn't lie or steal in Jesus' name. We wouldn't ask to bless an affair in Jesus' name. We wouldn't ask God to bless our sin in Jesus' name. We wouldn't swear in Jesus' name. Some of us, oops, some of us do that. We wouldn't ask God to bless our rage in Jesus' name. Guys, to make myself clear this morning, we can utter the words in Jesus' name and then add them to any prayer we like. But if our prayer is not consistent with God's character, God's will, or God's word, we aren't praying in Jesus' name no matter what words we use. Let's come to the bottom line. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray with his authority, according to his will, with his approval, and consistent with who God is. And since that sounds a bit academic and perhaps a little hard to apply, here's the simpler way of saying it, friends. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray exactly what Jesus would pray in any particular situation. It means praying as if 
Jesus were praying instead of us. And as we wrap up this message this morning, let's think about what this means to us on a practical sense. To borrow a phrase from the Puritans, what is the use to be made of praying in Jesus' name? If we understand what it really means, this truth should do five things for us. And as we wrap up, here we go. Number one, it should fill our prayers with praise. Instead of always praying gimme prayers, which are not all wrong in themselves, we should focus on praise and thanksgiving to God because through Christ we have access to the God of the universe. By grace and grace alone, we have been brought into God's presence. And if that doesn't make us grateful when we pray, we really need to go back and re-examine. Two, it should drive us back to the Bible. After all, where will we learn who Christ is and, and, and what he wants to do if it's not written in the word of God? Without exception, I think the greatest prayers are always people who know the word of God. If we fill our heart with God's words, then our prayers will soon reflect God's priorities. And the true meaning, I believe this is the true meaning of Psalm 37, 4 that says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Three, it should deepen our sense of total dependence on Christ. We pray in Jesus' name precisely because our own name carries absolutely no weight with God. On our own, we stand before God wrapped in filthy rags of our own self-righteousness. And if we come to God that way, our prayers won't get past the front door. It's good to remember that apart from God, there is nothing good in any of us to commend ourselves to God. Only in Christ do we have any merit, and that's not of ourselves. It's that gift from God. For it should cause us to ask, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? This can be a challenging application for some of us. Sometimes, and all too often, I fear, we rush into God's presence as if we have all the answers. I start every day with my list. And I want to deliver it as quickly as possible so that I can get on with the rest of my day. But most human situations are pretty confusing. And we can't be sure what the Lord wants to do. I'm talking about such things as seeking a new job, buying a new house. Thinking about things about making business decisions, big business decisions. Deciding where to go to college. Because matters such as these occupy a huge percentage of each day. And if we're honest, we must say that often we simply don't know what God's will is. Perhaps we would be better off to ask God to show us what he wants to do and then pray that his will might be done. Five, it should cause us to pray more for God's glory and less for our own gratification. In this, we have the Lord's Prayer as the perfect model. It contains six petitions. The first three deal with the Father, his name, his kingdom, and his will. But then the last three deal with our needs, provision, pardon, and protection. It, it, it's never wrong to pray for your own needs. But if we follow the Lord's prayer, we will begin to see our prayer change in focus because it will focus on God and his glory first. And that focus will help us put our own needs in a proper perspective.
Finally, if we need to be in a right relationship with God before we feel that we're in a good spot to pray, then I want to help you this morning because I know a name that can help you. I know a name that can wash away sins. I know a name that can give us a new life right here and right now. I know a name that can give us peace when we sleep tonight and assure us of an eternity with God when we die. You know the name. That name is the mighty name of Jesus. Guys, cry out to him with all your heart because you know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is no other name quite like Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we call on you and you save us. It's amazing to me to think that the creator of everything would just do that. We understand that sometimes the answers won't be exactly what we want them to be. Just like Jesus in the garden got no three times, sometimes we get no. But help us, Lord, to continue to grow in that prayer life. We thank you for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.